Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to episode 163 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of 2016, specifically January 2016. And uh, I apologize for the delay in getting this. I had something fall through that it was going to happen at the beginning of the month, and then I spent quite a bit of time actually doing some research for this particular episode. So I hope you dig this, because it's been seven years since I started the Kaiju Cast, and I started thinking about this podcast and about what it's done for me specifically over the years, and hopefully what it's done for you uh, over the years as well. Originally, I started this because I wanted to learn more about the music behind the monsters. Now, I knew some of the basics, you know, I had some of the names memorized, I could hum some of the tracks, but overall, I felt it was really like one aspect where uh, my lack of knowledge about the kaiju genre was like seriously lopsided. Like I didn't, I barely knew anything compared to some of the other subjects that you could sort of focus on. And the kaiju cast was supposed to help me learn about this aspect of the genre, but it very quickly became kind of yet another podcast, albeit kaiju-themed. And I, I do absolutely love how it evolved, but I asked myself the other day, what did you learn about music in the past seven years, dude? And so I am now officially calling this particular episode Monster Music Mania. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because uh, I thought it would be kind of cool to do something a little more, uh, well, actually, technically a little less in-depth than the interview with Eric Hominick but a little more detailed than, say, our normal spiel when we play music. So what I'm going to attempt to do here is hit on all of the Godzilla composers from the Showa era. We're going to listen to a couple of examples from their work, and I'm going to share a few little details about each one, and who knows, maybe this can be a thing we continue to do in the future. Now, clearly, we're going to start things off with the maestro. Akira Ifukube was born in 1914 and died in 2006. He wrote the iconic theme for Godzilla, and it's well-known all over the world. If you want to hear more about Akira Ifukube, make sure to check out episode 152 of the podcast, in which Eric Hominick, the webmaster of akiraifukube.org, which is the official English-language website for the composer, by the way. Eric talks about Ifukube and his life. Or if you really want the thorough treatment, make sure to check out that bio that Eric is writing on the website right now. After listening to these scores for a long time, I feel I have a pretty decent handle on Ifukube's sound and his themes used in the kaiju films. Even though I don't really listen to this score very often, the original 1954 film has such a raw feel to it, and I absolutely love the first track of this episode. This is Godzilla Comes Ashore Again from Gojira.
Now, as we all know, after the 1954 film, Ifukube will return to the scene and score so, so many films. My favorite theme, as I'm sure I've said many times before, is what he composed for Varan. Say what you want about the quality of the film itself. Varan's theme encapsulates the sense of worship that these giant monsters command from us mere mortals. Fukube website recently posted a chapter on the score for Varan. There's some really good stuff in there, so please make sure to check it out. Eric also wanted me to mention that the most recent update with Varan's information also included research on Rodan's score and The Mysterians. Those are both fantastic Ifukube soundtracks. So if you count Godzilla vs. Gigan, and I know I sort of shouldn't, Ifukube scored a total of 12 Godzilla films. He also made the music for a total of 15 other tokusatsu films. And while he did return to Godzilla in 1962, he wasn't the composer of the King's second picture. Godzilla Raids Again, or Gigantus the Fire Monster, had a score written by composer Masaru Sato. Thank you. 
1928, Masaru Sato's first composer gig was actually Godzilla Raids Again. And I love how Steve Rifle categorizes Sato's work. He says, If Ifukube's music epitomizes the dark, ponderous, and godlike aspects of the Godzilla mythos, then composer Sato best captures the other half of the monster's character, a side that is lighter, more lively, and personalized. Now, Sato only scored four of Godzilla's films, Godzilla Raids Again, Ebira, Horror of the Deep, Son of Godzilla, and Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. On a personal note, I think that his music for both Godzilla Raids Again and Half Human really, really, really sound like they're supposed to be 1950s American monster movies, which, you know, that's sort of my interpretation, so it makes a lot of sense to me. There was no rule book or formula for Toho in 1955, especially in the music department. Sato wrote the score for The H-Man eight years before he would return to the tokusatsu genre. He didn't consider himself a kaiju composer, and with good reason. His entire career was built on movie scores. He did over 300 of them, including several of Kurosawa's most well-known films, like Throne of Blood, The Hidden Fortress, The Bad Sleep Well, Redbeard, and if you've never seen my favorite Kurosawa film, check out this track from Yojimbo. that for comparison because I want you to listen to this small short track from Ebira Horror of the Deep, aka Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. Those two tracks aren't necessarily indicative of Sato's work. I just wanted to, you know, sort of show the similarity between those two. Yojimbo came out in 1961, and uh, I read in one of my books, I'm sorry, I don't know which author attributed it to him, but uh, Kurosawa, when speaking to Sato about what kind of music he wanted in his samurai films and his Chambara films, basically said he did not want Chambara music. So. He let Sato really play with with the instrumentation. And a lot of people really, you know, they associate Masaru Sato with sort of like almost jazzy, modern instrument sort of at the time kind of music. And I think, you know, it's produced some really fantastic tracks that we've come to identify. And some of them that have been reused throughout the Godzilla series. Parent Comes Ashore, for example, from Son of Godzilla, was reused in his score for Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. And uh, Godzilla vs. Angulus from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla was reused decades later in Godzilla Final Wars. Masaru Sato scored until 1995, and he died in 99 at the age of 71. 
We're going to wind back the clock a little bit. So the Island series, that's sort of what the fans refer to as these movies. Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, Son of Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters, and to a sense, All Monsters Attack. Now, these movies sort of pinpoint the decline in Godzilla ticket sales. I mean, they'd been declining already anyway. But in 1968, Toho brought back Akira Ifukube to score one of its biggest pictures at the time, Destroy All Monsters, sort of as a last hurrah. Now, Destroy All Monsters was such a big hit that it actually warranted another film. And so they were seeking a composer for this next movie, which is All Monsters Attack, or we know it here in the States, Godzilla's Revenge. A couple of years prior, Eiji Tsuburaya had hired a composer by the name of Kunio Miyauchi to write the music for his production company's debut hit, Ultra Q. Uchi was born in 1932 and actually trained to play the trumpet, but was diagnosed with tuberculosis and had to switch gears, health-wise, to composing. In 1960, he scored his second film ever, which is called The Human Vapor, which was directed by Ishiro Honda. Now, the relationship between Kunio Miyauchi and the monsters must have been very strong because he was, as I mentioned, hired to write the score for All Monsters Attack. It kind of follows his style. So if you listen to his music from Ultra Q and his music from Ultraman and then his music to this film, I think you'll see a similarity. So there you have the first one-and-done composer of the Godzilla series. Don't worry, there are a couple more. 
Godzilla's Revenge was Miyauchi's final film score, actually, and he spent the rest of his career composing theme songs and scores for a variety of Japanese television series. For the next Showa-era film, however, things get a little weird, at least in my opinion. Richiro Manabe was best known for his jazzy scores to the early films of the new wave director Nagisa Oshima. He also did the score for Toho's Bloodthirsty trilogy, those are the vampire movies, Manabe's Godzilla theme, however, in my opinion, is just as bizarre as the film in which it debuted, Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. Abe was born in 1924, and he graduated from the Tokyo National University of Fine Arts in 1956 and scored his very first film that same year. He worked steadily as a movie composer until 1980. He scored nearly 200 films. He was a student of Ifukube's at one point and a close personal friend. Now, we don't know that much about Richiro Manabe and his relationship with Godzilla and Toho of the 1970s because he refused to talk about them. There's a great bit of one of the commentaries with Stuart Galbraith, I'm assuming it's the Megalon one, where he tried to ask <laughs> Manabe about his work in the 70s, and after every question, he was just like, no comment. It makes it difficult to appreciate someone and their relationship if you don't know what that kind of relationship was. It sounds to me that he didn't really like his work from the 70s, but hey, you know. It is really too bad that he didn't elaborate more on uh, on his work because he passed away on January 29th of 2015 at the age of 90. Of course, after Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, the next film was Godzilla vs. Gigan, and Toho, instead of hiring Akira Fukube to write a brand new soundtrack, they sort of made their own soundtrack out of scores that he had already provided for their films. And then Manabe will be back for the next film, which is, of course, Godzilla vs. Megalon in 
Now, Manabe was the last new composer to round out the Showa era because Jun Fukuda and his kaiju composer Masaru Sato returned for 1974's Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, and the ever-popular team of Ishiro Honda and Ikira Ifukube came back for Terror of Mechagodzilla. And with the end of the Showa era comes the end of part one of this coverage. Look out for part two of this special episode, which will include both the Heisei and the Millennium series next month. I'll end this segment with one last bit of information. Many of the films of the 70s had a pop-ish song that would be attached to it. Now, I'm not sure exactly when that trend started, but I'm guessing that Godzilla Raids Again's connection to Mr. Godzilla and Inner Angulus by Harumi Aoki and Kazuma Nozawa would be the first direct kaiju to pop sensation connection. Now, All Monsters Attack as Lily Sasaki's Monster March, that's the one with the loud lady yelling all the monster names. Uh, it also has the Tokyo Small Child Choir singing Pun Pun Pun. Godzilla vs. Hedra, the smog monster, obviously has Give Back the Sun by Keiko Mari and Defeat Hedra, performed by Keiko Mari, and Honey Nights and Moondrops. The ending title to Godzilla vs. Gaigen was a song written by Susumu Ishikawa, Shinichi Sekizawa, and Kunio Miyauchi called Godzilla March. Now, two more songs, Defeat Gaigen and Go Go Godzilla, were also recorded by Susumu Ishikawa to coincide with the release of that film. Beru Bera Lin's performance of Miyarabi's Prayer in Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla also came with what I'm guessing would be the B-side called Defeat Mechagodzilla. Oh, and there's one more that I have not mentioned yet. He had a hand at creating some really memorable 70s popzilla songs, including The Bride of Godzilla, Rock Rock Godzilla, the theme from Zone Fighter, and everyone's favorite, Godzilla and Jet Jaguar, Punch, Punch, Punch. And I am, of course, speaking about Masato Shimon, and we are going to hear Defeat Megalon, and then we're going to make our way into the news. You can't!
ガが走れば United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. All right, so that laugh you just heard is Lady Kyle. She is joining me here to help me out with the news so I don't sound like a crazy person as I'm talking about the news. So uh, the first thing we want to talk about is the Shin Gojira pictures that were leaked. Now, you know, you're my girlfriend, so you saw those things. I have. He looks a little... um crispy he does look a little crispy yeah Mm. yeah he's like um uh before you know all we had seen is this black and white image and then when the color one came out and he's all red looking he looks like he just stepped out of a fire yeah not so good not so good (laughs) he's probably in a lot of pain (laughs) this is like that's his entire existence just screaming in pain all the time i mean that would make me angry and want to destroy cities so i guess i get it yeah um now those pictures are you know, they were taken with cell phone, you know, in Japan and and shared online. I don't know how the hell it happened, but basically someone shared it and then everybody else started sharing it. And then yeah. people started pulling them, you know, saying like, oh, I'm not going to share these images. So, uh, you know, I don't want to share them because I don't want to get in trouble. I've already had that happen. So That's we'll true. just uh, we'll just say if you're out there and re- you're resourceful, I'm sure you've seen them by now. Probably. Um, but our next legitimate news item is that IDW is resurrecting Godzilla with their new series called Godzilla Oblivion in March. Ooh. It was called World's End, but uh, they changed it, I guess. Maybe because there's a book, like an old school, like Random House, I think, book that says Godzilla at World's End. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, their press release says writer Joshua Flaukoff, who wrote Doctor Who and Ultimate FF, which I think is fantastic for. And artist Brian Chiria from Big Trouble in Little China and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are the creative team for this series. Issue one features a cover by James Stokoe, the always awesome James Stokoe, (laughs) uh, who did Godzilla Half-Century War and he did the first issue of Godzilla in Hell. Uh, In this series, a scientist has created a portal to another dimension, one where monsters rule supreme. A terrifying expedition begins into a world where hope has died and Godzilla is the unrivaled king of the monsters. But what happens when a baby kaiju hitches a ride back to the original monsterless dimension? Dun, dun, dun. Oh my gosh, Rachel's going to be so excited. Baby, baby kaiju. Mo- baby monsters are her favorite. <laughs> they certainly are. Uh, I'll have a link in the show notes to Sci-Fi Japan's article about this. Another Sci-Fi Japan article that I wanted to link to and actually talk a little bit about is that Ultraman X has a movie that has been announced. And that announcement says... With the Ultraman X television series heading towards its conclusion on TV Tokyo, Tsuburaya Productions officially announced the theatrical spinoff, Ultraman X the Movie, Here Comes Our Ultraman, for spring 2016. Part of the 50th anniversary celebration of Ultraman, the film will feature X unveiling a new ultimate power, 
the Beta Spark Armor. Ooh. Ooh, that does sound exciting. <laughs> uh, against a black shadow approaching the Earth. Ultraman X, the movie, will be directed by Kiyotaka Taguchi, lead director on the Ultraman X series. He worked on the effects for the Godzilla franchise, starting with Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, and made his directing debut with the independent production G. Is that the same show that we've been watching? Yes, that is the same show, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that'll be cool, because yeah. that show's fun. I like that show a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think I've said it on the podcast before. Uh, if you can turn off your brain to the fact that it is basically just a giant kids commercial <laughs> a toy uh, for their toys, <laughs> then it's actually, especially the tokusatsu stuff, all the special effects are fantastic in that movie. Yeah, I really, you mean in the series? Yes, in the yeah. series. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. No, when you came back, when you first showed it to me. No, I've seen the movie already and it's so oh, good. I shouldn't oh, have okay. said that. I probably <laughs> going to have to wipe your mind now with some, Wait, ultra, what? some Ultraman beta what capsule happened? flash thing. Where's that gun? Doesn't that have a <laughs> it's setting back there. to do that? <laughs> and the gun is really cool, you guys, if you haven't seen him use it. I don't know if you've done a video. No, I haven't posted the video yet. Oh, okay. That well, someday you'll see him with that gun because it's cool. It's going to be distributed by Shochiku. Ultraman X, the movie, will open in cinemas across Japan on Saturday, March 12th, 2016. Fans who don't want to wait can find out more information in the new issues of Shogakuken's TV-kun and Kodanshan's TV magazine, both on sale now, or when this article came out, which was in December. Right. So, they're on uh, sale now. Go, yeah. go get them. So, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, about what it's been like to watch the show. So, um, previous Ultraman series, I have not been really interested in watching and it's not because well how would i say this the reason i haven't been interested in watching them is because there's been no excitement for me like it's not like oh hey this new ultraman series just came out and i can watch everything for it now it's basically uh it's always been oh yeah what ultraman series have come out since 1966 and then there's so many of them that i'm not it's just overwhelming. You know, yeah, it's one of I the guess, reasons I'm not like a huge Ultraman fan. Oh yeah, the only stuff I've really seen with you primarily is original Ultraman and then Ultra Seven, which is technically not Ultraman, right? And right, then now yeah. this new stuff. So that's my my Ultraverse. That thus is your far. Ultraverse, yes, for sure. So I don't think there are any other shows in between, so it works out pretty well for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, today we were watching that one and I was like, wait, what I know that Ultraman. That's a that's a uh, is it Mabius? I couldn't remember which one it was. It ended up being Ultraman Nexus that shows up in Ultraman X. Oh right. Yeah. It's okay. actually, you know, this the actual television show. Um, well, before I get into how I feel about this new television show, the, the thing is like, I haven't seen very much in the way of ultra shows from, I'll just say 1980 through 2012. I haven't seen very much. I know they've lot. done a ton. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Cause we kept running into toys and stuff and I'm like, what is this from? And you were like a show I haven't seen. I'm like, yeah, okay, exactly, great. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there are varying qualities. I'm sure some of them are great and some of them are horrible. You know, they can't all be winners, no. unfortunately. But before Ultraman X, the most recent things that I had seen from Tsuburaya in, in terms of Ultraman, mm-hmm. I was really unimpressed with. Mm-hmm. And then um, at some point, someone had said that uh, I think maybe Ginga or the series in between that or bef- I don't know, some recent series was mm-hmm. the worst when it came to tying in products to the actual um, show but this one is really fun and i, I mean the, the yeah. characters are fun the team dynamic they have is really nice i actually i've i know i've said that i really like their costumes like their science yeah, patrol cool. uniforms they are cool um and then the tokusatsu stuff the special effects are amazing and the monster suits that they're making everything is done 
like with traditional effects. I mean, practical effects with the exception of some of the, um, yeah, there's the, there is enhanced CGI stuff. <laughs> yeah, right? there's some. And and I was trying to show Lady Kyle one, on the episode that we watched today, but thank goodness there Ultraman Nexus was in it because it didn't have it. But basically, there was a at one point in the show. For me, on a personal level, the show sort of goes off on this weird tangent, and the story stops making as much sense, and yeah. I stop caring as much about the new toys, literal toys, yep. that Ultraman starts using, like the Rainbow Blade or whatever that oh, thing yeah, was that on thing his was mask. Weird. Yeah, so when he started using that, what ends up happening is he'll go in for his final kill, right? Because there's like an yeah. Ultraman formula. You do, you know, you have your monster attack, and then Ultraman comes, and they fight, and then the thing starts going, pity, 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 right. and he's got to, you know, he's got to do leave. it all at the last minute. Exactly. Kick some booty. And so what he ends up doing is, you know, he has trouble, so he keeps upgrading his tech. And those this, monsters have to learn something throughout those fights, you know, like. They've got to send some information back to where they're coming from and, like, let the other monsters know to up their game. Oh, you know, right, yeah. you'd think they're in communication. <laughs> if there's some sort of monster union, they should be helping each other. Monster monster Facebook. Man. Yeah, something. Monster Facebook. Or, like, yeah. monster Twitter. Like, yeah. hey, I noticed this thing. You should try this next time. And hey, then dude, the next monster's like, yeah. If the new Ultraman reaches for his forehead, get out. <laughs> you know? He's got this rainbow unicorn thing and he's going to mess you up, man. Yeah, so this rainbow unicorn thing, when Ultraman X uses it, what ends up happening in the show is the entire world is sort of like disappears and all you see are Ultraman and the monster. Right. And go into a this pocket insane, dimension. Well, that was just a, ma- uh, was just a, a Nexus thing? thing. That was oh, just Nexus. I had never okay. seen that before. Oh, all right. But the, what happens is visually speaking, it's just Ultraman and the monster. And then everything behind is the craziest CGI rainbow vomit explosion <laughs> you've ever seen. And then the monster explodes. <laughs> And it's, I think because it's all CGI, like, or not this, you know, obviously the suit and the the Ultraman are both live action, but they've just been opticaled out. So I think that's what I missed. You were like, oh, it does this thing. And you kept going, no, it's going to do this thing. And then it didn't do the thing. And I was like, okay, what are you talking about? This looks like all the rest of the fighting. Well, I'm almost caught up. So hopefully I can watch the next episode or two and you can, you can see it happen. Okay. Just so you can share in my disdain of that effect. Well, but other than, other than that effect, other than that effect, <laughs> I really love Ultraman X. Uh, you know, it pokes fun at the monster genre like we were watching today and the monster left for Canada. Oh, that's And they right. were like, why Canada? You know, <laughs> it's like... I was like, why Canada? Yeah. But I mean, maybe he uh, wanted some poutine. I get it. Yeah, I think he did. I think he did. Okay. Yeah. I'm assuming the series is coming to an end because I think it was just a, a year and they're already on episode 22. So I don't know how many are left, but, you know, mm-hmm. obviously they've got they've got a movie coming up right after it. So yeah. if you want to learn more about the show, you should watch it on Crunchyroll. This show is not brought to you by Crunchyroll, but it could be Crunchyroll. Anyway. And, um, and. <laughs> I think the toy tie-in thing, while I can understand that it would be distracting, is kind of cool. Like it brings – I think it helps younger audiences who aren't as familiar with the style be able to kind of like get into it. Because it's more like things like Pokemon and things like that where there's like cards and you're sure, battling. Yeah, and absolutely. So there's sort of like a game element to it as well that I think can bring other people in that might not necessarily like the show so while we don't necessarily like that you already 
like kaiju, so it's not hard for you to get into it, you know? True. And, and I true. already like Ultraman, so I didn't have to try that hard to get into it. Yeah, it's like one of those things where it can bridge gaps, right? Yeah. So obviously bridge gaps for kids who are not into Ultraman yet, but they right. might be into Yu-Gi-Oh cards. If, Something like if, that, if that's yeah. that's still a thing. I think it is. But yeah, I think I agree with you that it's sort of a, it's a good show to transition people into watching giant monster stuff uh, if they're unused to it. And actually, it's a really cool show anyway. So like I said, we'll have the link in the show notes to that. And the, another Sci-Fi Japan article actually, Tease Facto, which is a model kit company. This is kind of new. I've never actually seen a model kit issue announcement on Sci-Fi Japan. So way to go, guys, on getting this announcement. Tease Facto is releasing a 2014 Godzilla model kit. It's not pre-painted. You're going to have to paint it yourself, almost <laughs> assuredly. Not you, Lady Kyle. I'm you don't not? have to paint it. And oh, I'm not going to get it either. But Looking forward to it. Most of the Godzilla 2014 stuff, I don't like. I don't right. think it looks really cool. And I'm not a huge fan of the monster design anyway. But this one, where he's sort of like roaring up and he's got the really sharp fins, it, it yeah, creates it took a me really a cool, cool uh, silhouette. Yeah, it took me a minute to figure out which... Which one it was, I was like, that looks like Fat Kitty, but I don't know if it is. <laughs> it is Fat Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's interesting that they're, you know, they're issuing this model kit and announcing it on Sci-Fi Japan. Yeah. Resin kits are really, if you are interested in model kits, they're really not that difficult. A lot of people say that, you know, building Japanese model kits is very hard. I think that's just because the instructions are usually in Japanese. Right. And so you're sitting there looking at a box of pieces to a model <laughs> kit that you're not exactly sure how they go together because the instructions have all these characters you're unfamiliar with. But yeah. for the most part, if you were to get a resin kit from Japan, I think it'd be easy for you to put it together. Yeah. Again, I mean, if you can do a puzzle, you can usually yeah, figure out yeah. where the head goes and where the tail goes. Puzzle with glue. Body. You know yeah, what it is, actually? Puzzle. It's the fins. Those are the those. Oh, are the that could ones. be and difficult. It, yeah. You know, so if they – and I'm not – to go into it in depth, but like imagine looking at these fins and being like, okay, which one is number 236? Oh, yeah, you know? no kidding. I mean, having a reference bad. picture like that would be helpful as true, well. But, true, true. You know. True, and they usually don't come with reference photos. No. <laughs> They're mm -hmm. very minimal. Uh, and oh, you know what? Tease Facto. Mm -hmm. Here's a segue. Tease Facto is going to be, I'm sure, tabling at Winter Wonder Festival, hey. which happens. Uh, February 7th in Japan. So by the time, let's see. So after the emergency broadcast, we'll hear about what's coming in the next uh, next several months from our friends at like X Plus and other model kit companies. So I'm looking very much forward to seeing what's coming from Japan. Uh, and that pretty much does it for the news. We do have catastrophic events coming up. Not super soon, but Monster Mania in Cherry Hill, New Jersey is happening March 11th, 12th, and 13th. I'm actually going to be going to that. I know. Yay. Uh, the reason I'm going is because Ken Pichiro Satsuma is going to be showing up, and uh, I cannot wait to see him again. Also, Mizuho Yoshida, who I've never met before, is going to be there. He played the Godzilla in GMK, oh. which is one of my favorites. Yeah, it is. He also played... Riego, the deep sea monster, uh, that is Shinpei Hayashiya's movie. He played Zerum in both Zerum 1 and Zerum 2, which you've never seen, but I love those movies. <laughs> really cheesy, but cool. He was one of the actors in the Legion suit. Legion oh, is from Gamera versus Legion. Yeah. And there were two people in that suit. He was one of them. Uh, he also played Death Ghidra, which if you look behind you and up, it's the 
three-headed dragon with the four legs and the two big wings. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So I don't know what that included. <laughs> I can't, I'm looking forward to interviewing him yeah. and, and finding out what it was like to be inside of the Death Ghidra suit. Uh, he also played Degarla from Mothra 2, and he played Zetus in Gamera the Brave. If you want to find out more, I'll have a link in the show notes to Monster Mania's website. Uh, that brings us to our next event, which is Monster Palooza, which is being held in Pasadena, California this time, mm-hmm. not Burbank. It's being held April 22nd through April 24th. Again, I'm going to this one, too. Yep, I'm excited yep. about it. Haruo Nakajima is going to be there. That, of course, is the guy who played the original Godzilla and so many more kaiju. They're also bringing, and this is, I'm like super excited for this. I'm already excited because of Nakajima because he's amazing. But Keizo Murase is going to be there, and he was a suit maker, a kaiju suit maker from the Showa era. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, indeed. I'm going to get my book signed because I have this book. <laughs> so excited. I am excited. Shinichi Wakasa is being brought there as a guest this year, which is awesome That's because so he cool. loves going to Monster Palooza. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's about damn time that they asked him to be there as a guest. The guy makes professional movie suits and works constantly in Japan. So it's good to see him getting some recognition. Heck yeah. I'm really hoping that they do a joint panel with both Murase and Wakasa on the same one. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> if uh, if somebody wanted me to moderate that panel, Jim, I would be happy to do so. If anyone is listening. If anybody's listening. <laughs> uh, anyway, those are the only two events that we have to talk about right now. I think there will be more coming sooner than later. Uh, but don't forget, a little housekeeping news here, our fifth annual emergency broadcast will be on January 31st at 2 p.m. Pacific. That's 5 p.m. Eastern. This is a two-plus-hour show where we broadcast live, have a chat room for the listeners, we ask trivia questions with prize pack giveaways, we interview guests, and generally have an awesome time. And I mean everybody, the listeners and the people talking, have an awesome time. Even me. <laughs> Even Lady Kyle. <laughs> Uh, big thanks to Kadoja, Shout Factory, Diamond Select Toys, Flossie's Gifts, and X Plus for donating prizes to the broadcast. We also have a number of other items that I've been gathering all year long, uh, including patches from Lance Thingmaker, some radness that I picked up from the Godzilla Hotel in Shinjuku, and a Godzilla sketch by me on a Japanese shikishi board. Oh, yeah. Not to mention, I also have right there in that box over there, I have a shikishi board with a Shin Gojira sketch by Matt Frank on it for one of the giveaways. And there's more. We have more coming in. Yeah, you guys are going to want to win these prizes. You should listen to the live show. So it all starts at 2 p.m. on Sunday. Don't miss it. Will we be uh, social media-ing all over this? We will be at some point. Side note. um, Oh, my gosh. You're the perfect person to talk about this. So. We are going to try and do a little bit more ramp up for social media as things happen. I, you know, the Kaiju cast, as we say on pretty much every episode, we have Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Um, I signed up for a Snapchat account and Lady Kyle is a, an amateur Snapchat professional, I guess you could say. (laughs) So at least compared to me. So she's going to help me out learn learn how how to use use Snapchat. Enough to be able to Snapchat parts of the live show for everybody if they want to follow along. And there you go. That's that's important, right? Yeah. And what if, what you is your name maybe, on Snapchat? It's KaijuCast. Big surprise. KaijuCast yeah. on Snapchat. I have not snapped 
yet. Is that Anything what you yet? say? You yeah. Snap? No, you have not posted any snaps yet. I have yeah. not posted a snap at all. If you already have Snapchat, you can add him by your username, which is KaijuCast. Which is KaijuCast, yes. And then you'll see all of the updates uh, on the day of the live show. Yeah. Yeah, follow along. And once again, that date is January 31st, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, which would be... For you mathletes out there, 4 p.m. Central and 3 p.m. Mountain. What time is it in Japan? I don't know. (laughs) I wasn't ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, should we look? No, that's okay. I didn't mean to That is okay. Uh, Anyway, so that's going to close out the show. I just wanted to play one final song to add to the rest of the awesome music that we've been hearing on this episode. And I think because we've listened to a lot of actual score tracks from the movies themselves, let's play something a little bit different. We're going to play Godzilla Akimbo from Motorhead. And that is a request from Mike Keller. We'll see you for the Daikaiju discussion for Gamera 3 in just a little while. Until then, Jamata and rest in peace, Lemmy. Lemmy. 